Good, pretty good. Good morning. It's, a, it's an honor to uh, be able to speak today. It's a little bit disturbing since it's Christmas Sunday, and I'm like, Luke, you really have to pick this Sunday. He's been trying to get me to preach for a while, and I've been dodging him pretty successfully, but I guess that my time was up. So I currently work in law enforcement, and, and in the state of California, in most states, there's pretty much four types of jurisdictions of law enforcement. There's county law enforcement, which I call the SO. That's the sheriff's department. I don't work for them. There's PDs, our police departments, which are like local and cities, Red Bluff PD, Red Bluff Police Department, and I don't work for them. There's also federal law enforcement like the FBI and Department of Homeland Security and maybe immigration, that type of stuff, and I don't work for them. So that leaves one last realm of law enforcement. Can anyone guess what that would be? There you go, the Highway Patrol, CHP, the state. So... I would highly advise you, you might want to be nice to me if you ever drive on the freeway towards Sacramento, because I might be able to help you out. <laughs> People ask me all the time, you know, for stories, and hey, tell me a good story, or, you know, certainly, you know, you, you got something for me, and there's lots of stories, and another thing they ask is, um, are you ever scared? I mean, you, you know, you're dealing with some pretty crazy stuff at times, do you ever get scared? And... You know, the, the truth in the reality is, is, yeah, there are some scary times. I started off, like a lot of CHP guys do, um, in L.A. And right in the heart of Compton, Watts, like, you know, great neighborhoods, right? You know, when we think of places we want to live, we want to live right in the heart of those places, right? And that's where I started out. That's where I started putting boots to the pavement and encountered lots of crazy stuff. One of the things that happens in a lot of the big offices in the state, because you're either going to L.A. or you're going to the Bay or you're going out to Timbuktu, somewhere where no one wants to go, is that uh, there's lots of new guys constantly coming in. And it requires you to have to train these new guys. And the people that train the new officers are called FTOs or TOs or field training officers, training officers. And I did not want to be an FTO. The thing that scared me most was being an FTO. I didn't want anything to do with it. So I just managed to stay in just enough trouble with my sergeants and other people or do just enough things wrong to where they wouldn't try to recruit me to be an FTO because the, the, the matter of the reality is, is that it's scary. It is very scary being an FTO and having all this responsibility to try to train up these new guys. Well, I went from LA to the Bay, spent five years, or about three years in LA, and then I spent about five years in Redwood City in the Bay Area. And it came to the point where all of our FTOs were getting burned out. We had so many new guys coming, coming through that it just became a point of like, guess what? You can't run and hide anymore. You're going to be an FTO. So I went through the field training program, and I trained up a couple of guys. And I tell you, the most scared I've ever been is sitting in the passenger seat with a brand new guy driving on the freeway. Talk about being scared. Talking about having some fear. That's, that, you got to realize, it's like, you know, we all have our cherry spots, you know, sitting, sitting you know, in a nice little, uh, like, stop sign, poaching people for burning a stop sign, slow speeds, that kind of stuff. But a lot of what we do is drive high, high, high speed. And when you're driving high speed in the Bay Area, especially before the pandemic, when there was lots of people on the road and it was lots of traffic, is that 
you know, people do bad things. And so you got to go try to catch up to them. And one day we were on the freeway. It was, it was pretty busy. And this, we, there was a call of this reckless driver and he was in the area we were in. And, and I'm like, all right, we're going to get this guy. We see him. And so, you know, the, the new cop, he's, he's, you know, trying to get on this guy and, and uh, effect an enforcement stop. And he's changing lanes. And I'm like, all right, do this, do this. And then all of a sudden, man, he goes one way and I see a car coming another way. And I'm thinking, this is it. It's over, baby, right now. It's, it's not going to end up good. He managed to avoid getting in a collision. But I tell you what, if you're riding, ever riding as a passenger and you're doing crazy stuff, you're just like, it's, it's crazy. It's fearful. It is very, very nerve wracking, which is one of the reasons I didn't want to be an FTO anymore. Thank God I moved to a new area uh, down in Williams where we don't have a lot of new guys coming in. And that fear is relieved. So fear. Why would I want to be talking about fear? Why introduce the concept of fear? Well, it turns out fear is a pretty big part of society today. And it turns out fear has always been a pretty big part of society. And it certainly comes into play when we're talking about the birth of Jesus and the narrative of Jesus. There's a couple different gospels that focus in on the birth of Jesus. Anyone know what those Gospels are? Anybody? Luke and Matthew. Those are where we really get the birth narratives. John focuses a lot about the theological aspects of Jesus and his coming into the world and being the light of the world. This morning we're going to focus on uh, the perspective that Luke gives us and where he focuses on Mary, the mother of Jesus. So if you have your Bible this morning, you can turn to Luke 1. We're also going to have the slide on the screen. It begins at verse 26. Luke 1, beginning at verse 26. Let's read the word of the Lord together. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So fear and confusion. It abounds in many of the biblical narratives. You see it all throughout the Bible. You see it in the journey of the Israelites. You see it in the prophets. You see it in the kings. You see it over and over and over and over again. And you certainly see it in 
the narrative surrounding Jesus' birth. It's not any different when it comes to the birth narrative of Jesus. Right off the bat, Gabriel comes and he says, greetings, favored woman, right? Greetings, favored one. And I think to myself, it's like, uh, if you have a family and, and you have kids and, and they're not in very good moods and, and, and mom comes in and says, hey guys, hey kids, you know, we've got a great day planned, you know, things are going to be great. And they look at you like, yeah, right. I seriously doubt that. Any kids ever been there, right? And so you have to kind of like talk them up. You have to talk them into the fact like, yeah, it's going to be a good day. Trust me, right? We got good things planned. We're going to be, you know, going to get along. We're not going to kill each other. We're going to have fun today. Life's going to be all right. You know, it's not the end of the world because of everything that's going on. Any parents ever finding themselves in that situation? Could be the same thing at work or whatever, trying to convince the employees that the world is not going to come to end, you know, when bad things are going on at work or whatever. So Mary, she uh, gets this greeting from the angel Gabriel. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But it's not quite so simple. Uh, Mary's not quite so sure what to believe. Turns out that she's a little bit confused. It turns out that she's a little bit disturbed. And there are probably a plethora of good reasons why she might be a little bit afraid, right? And Gabriel knows it, which is why he's quick to come back with the comeback. Hey, don't be afraid. Now, why would Mary be afraid? What would be the problem? I mean, she's being encountered by an angel. The angel has all this good news. Hey, the Lord is with you, right? It's all good. It's all Mary. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be perfect. But Mary's a little bit confused. She's a little bit disturbed. She's a little bit afraid. Well, cancel culture is not just part of our society. It was part of every society. It's been part of every society. That's why we've had martyrs and lots of people die throughout history. And it was certainly alive and well in the days of Jesus. Now, what would it mean for Mary to be engaged to Joseph, right? And then to be found out to be pregnant and supposedly a virgin, right? What would it mean if this came to light, if, if, if it all got figured out, if Joseph... When you went to him, he's like, yeah, by the way, we're going to have a baby. And he's like, what? Canceled. Mary would be sent off. She would be an outcast, right? She would be left on her own. She would be ridiculed. She would be persecuted because of this. And Gabriel knows it. Gabriel knows that there were some very real concerns. She could be shunned. She could be abandoned. She could be stomped out ultimately be canceled. It's really not much different in the world we find ourselves in. I really probably don't have to go into too much of the things that are causing fear in our world today. All I have to say is 2020, right? The new four-letter word, 2020 are the new four-letter word, mask, M-A-S-K, and most certainly, probably what is now the five-letter word, 
COVID, right? I mean, it's been a brutal year. It's caused a lot of fear. And, and, when, and everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, you're like, especially from the uh, MSM or the mainstream media, it's like they're wearing this jet pack and it's just loaded with fear and they're just spraying it everywhere. Do you ever feel like that? Like, it's just like, boom, bombarded with fear, 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 fear. It's a real reality. It's spread from every direction. And so as we look at our passage this morning and we look at the story of Mary, who is undoubtedly fearful, afraid of her life, afraid of her very existence, afraid that it was all going to fall apart with her engagement and with her future and all of her plans. How is she going to move past her fears? What would it mean for her to move forward? And how would she move forward? And I think one of the things that we see in this passage is that Mary begins to engage her fears. She begins asking questions like, what? How is this going to work out? Uh, You're going to have to explain a little bit more to me uh, how this is exactly a good situation, right? I mean, how in the world am I favored? How is this good? What does it mean for Mary to move out of her fears and into embracing the story that the angel is giving her. I think this is where the rubber meets the road, is that there's a couple different ways that we can operate in, in this world. We can either be governed by fear, or we can be governed by faith. And I think in this story, we see how Mary moves from being governed by fear and moves to operating in the realm of faith. You're either going to operate in faith or you're going to operate in fear. And I think one of the things that we can say consistently that has happened throughout the years is that it's very easy to operate in the mode of fear. It's all going to come crumbling down. It's like, what in the world is happening everywhere we look? Bad, 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 right? Not good. Business is dying. Business is being canceled because they can't operate. Restaurants, you know, uncertainty. And it creates a very real spirit of fear. There's a reason that the most often repeated phrase in the Bible is this. You know what it is? Fear not. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. And why is it the most often repeated phrase? Because life's tough. It's not easy. This world we find ourselves in is often brutal, right? So what does Mary do? How is this going to take place? How is this going to happen? How can this be? How can I become pregnant when I'm a virgin? This is really beyond the realm of possibility. So it's a journey. It's a journey of Mary saying, no, I'm just not going to bury my head in the sand and pretend that this isn't all going on or running away from it. But she begins to ask questions. And I think the reality of faith is that faith seeks understanding. Faith seeks clarity. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to get explained away. It doesn't mean that we're just going to be able to rationalize everything and and come to understand every aspect of how God works in this world. And it's certainly true with the virgin birth and God coming into this world as a baby. We can't explain it all the way. We can't, from science, explain 
how all of this happens, but we can come to a place of faith where we either accept it, the miraculous intervention of God, the story of God in this world, or we reject it. We have to accept it or we have to reject it. Mary chooses to accept it. She chooses to move into the place where she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She chooses to move from her fear and her confusion and her anxiety to a place of faith. And that's a challenge for all of us. How are we going to operate? How are we going to operate in this world? It's, a very, it's been a very real question for churches throughout this whole year. How are we going to operate in the midst of these crazy times? When it comes right down to it, we're either going to operate in the mode of fear or we're going to operate in the mode of faith. I think another thing that we see in this story and in this passage of God's word this morning is really what it means to be found in favor. What does it mean to be blessed in this world? How is it that Mary is favored? How is it that she is blessed? Well, it certainly goes beyond the typical way that we would define blessing, right? I mean, for Mary to be favored, pregnant, but, but not with Joseph and, and all of this, you know, the responsibility that would come of having to bear the Savior of the world, it, it wasn't a situation that you would typically say, yeah, this is great, this is, this is all perfect, this is all good. It wasn't measured in terms of success. It wasn't measured in terms of wealth. It wasn't measured in terms of prosperity. All of these things can be great. They can be used for God's purposes. There can be tremendous blessings that come through these avenues, the typical ways that we would say somebody is favored or blessed, right? I mean, if you're the teacher's pet or you're the favored one, that's the one where everything good happens, right? They have it easy. It's all good. It's all fine. It's all dandy. But this really isn't the type of favor that I think is at the heart of this passage. One of the ways I think we can understand blessing, one of the ways that we can understand favor um, is, is looking at it uh, from a more like overarching perspective. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 3, verse 26, it, it gives us a really good way to understand favor. It gives us a really good way to understand blessing. And, 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 and Paul writes, when God raised up his servant in Acts 3, 26, when God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Listen to that again. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. So what, what does that mean? What does that look like? What is that definition of blessing? What is that definition of favor? I think it's this. All blessings pale in comparison to the blessing of being turned towards God. All blessings pale in comparison to that. 
all blessings pale in comparison of being turned toward God and away from sin. And, and, and sin is not just doing bad things. It's not just being the bad boy or the bad girl and, 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 and certain behaviors. I really think it becomes an orientation, whether we're going to have an orientation towards God or we're going to have an orientation towards ourselves. We're blessed when God turns us away from the things that will destroy our lives. Fear, bitterness, envy, unforgiveness, on and on and on and on. It's really easy, I think, to get brought down in this world, right? It's really easy. It's really hard to know where we're heading. I mean, you could say that as a nation or, or even as a lot of churches. One of the things you see a lot of prominent leaders talking about right now is the persecution that's going to come to the church in America that's, that's really knocking at the door for our voices to be silenced. You hear about Christmas being canceled consistently, right? Christmas is canceled. Well, you might cancel some of the traditions that we typically experience at Christmas, but may we never buy into this message that Jesus is going to be canceled, right? It may not always be easy. <laughs> we may have extreme challenges to overcome at every step. But how are we going to operate? Are we going to operate in fear? Are we going to operate in faith? Are we going to define blessing as everything working out? Prosperity, success, fame, fortune, all of these things? Or is, is blessing being found in favor with God going to be defined like it was for Mary? Hey, I'm your servant. Right? I got all these problems to deal with. I got all of these situations that are going to face me. I got this. I got that. I got everything coming down on me. But God, I'm going to be your servant. I'm going to be your servant. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to trust that you are the God who will never fail. It takes a little bit of convincing from Gabriel in this passage. He makes some pretty serious and huge claims. Hey, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The baby will be born, will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. The Word of God will never fail. That's really the message of Christmas. That's really the story of Christmas. Last night I was a little frustrated. I was having problems with my phone uh, trying to print um, to our printer uh, upstairs. So I finally got it figured out. But in that process, I was, um, uh, I was up in our, the craft room that the, uh, my daughter and um, Bethany, my wife, were trying to organize and take care of. And, and, just, and, she, and, and my daughter didn't know what I was preaching on today. She didn't know I was going to be preaching on the Mary story. And she says, hey, I think Christmas should be spelled... Merry Christmas, M-A-R-Y Christmas, not M-E-R-R-Y Christmas. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. I'm going to use that tomorrow. She's like, she's the one who had to, you know, bear Jesus. She's had the one to have to go in a manger and have the baby Jesus, right? I mean, it's Merry Christmas. She's a big reason that we celebrate Christmas because of her obedience and humbleness before God. And while it's true, we may not always have the perfect 
special, M-E-R-R-Y Christmas, right? Plans might get canceled, the tree might fall over, the house might burn down from the lights, all these things that may not be that nice little snowful, beautiful, picturesque scene. Life just doesn't work out that way most of the time. But it certainly can be an M-A-R-Y Christmas where we celebrate the absolute and unequivocal truth that God's word never fails. That despite the reality of this world seemingly always falling apart, at every turn feeling rejection, at every return feeling canceled, at every turn experiencing fear and anxiety and pain and suffering, that God longs to break in, to be the God for us, the God with us, to bring us Jesus, the anointed one, in the midst of every situation we face. And it's up to us to respond. We're either going to accept it, or we're going to reject it. May we have the Merry Christmas, the M-A-R-Y, where we say, hey, God, we're here. We want to humbly come before you and allow you to do your thing. Use us. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today, and we thank you for your timeless word. Lord, in a story that seems so familiar, may we not miss the utter and scandalous truth of your gospel that longs to invade every aspect of our lives. Lord, for those people in this world that are beaten down, for, for anyone in this room or anyone watching out there, Lord, who's, who's hearing this, who's experiencing pain, suffering, an uncertain future, God, I pray that you would make yourself known to them, that the truth of your gospel and the unfailing love and hope and joy and peace that you truly bring to our lives would be made so real. God, we thank you for this space. We thank you for this place where we could come and just quiet our hearts and our minds before you in the midst of all the noise going on. And trust once again that you are for us, that you have a plan for our lives, that you have a future that goes beyond the frailty and the uncertainty of the circumstances of this world. We thank you for your love and hope and peace and joy that never fails. Help us to embrace these truths this morning and go from this place experiencing your great love. In Jesus' name, all God's people would say together, amen. Amen. All right, it's great being with you this morning, and uh, go in his grace and his peace, and may you have a truly merry Christmas. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks.